0: A One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Well, good morning, church. Uh, what a beautiful time of worship as we are turning our hearts towards the Lord. I love that song, You Are Holy, crowned with wonder and majesty. And, you know, the scripture says that as we worship God, that he is enthroned in our praises. In other words, uh, as we're worshiping him, uh, we are recognizing that he is above every circumstance. And I don't know about you, but in this time that we live in, uh, there's nothing that brings greater encouragement than recognizing that God's in charge. And I'm so glad to tell you that God's in charge of your family, God's in charge of This church, God's in charge of our nation, God's in charge of our world. And uh, as we worship Him, He is, uh, we are crowning Him with the crown that He already has, that He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So I hope your heart is stirred in faith this morning. And I just want to welcome all of you. Of course, I want to welcome our guests. Maybe you're joining us online. Uh, or maybe you're joining us in a house church this morning. Those of you who are a part of our church family, I just want to send love your way this morning. I love you so much. Uh, miss seeing you. We can't wait to be together on the 31st of this month. We're going to have a great worship celebration, and so I want to encourage you to stay tuned for those details coming up. But today is a special day because today uh, we are starting our temple season, and we really kind of coined that word for ourselves last year uh, because the temple in the Old Testament was the place where people met with God. And we are wanting to set aside some special focus time at the beginning of this year, 2021, to seek God. And, you know, just as God wasn't really limited to uh, the temple, and in fact, the Old Testament even says that he didn't dwell in buildings made with hands, but it was really a, a physical expression of a spiritual experience, and that was life with God. And that's what we want more than anything. That's really what makes church, church, is encountering the presence of God. And so we are setting aside a special season of prayer and fasting, of seeking God for the year ahead that we are calling Temple. And so I want to invite you Uh, over the next 21 days, starting today, January 10th, until January 31st, just to set aside some special time to be with the Lord daily. Uh, We're gonna be meeting for prayer on Wednesday mornings, and uh, we would love for you to join us. And again, it's not about limiting God just to 21 days. Uh, We actually want him in every day this year. We want him in every moment, every minute of our lives. But uh, we are setting aside this special time uh, just as an invitation to the presence of God into our lives. And so over the next three Sundays, I'm gonna be sharing with you about practices, specific things that we can do during this time and really throughout the year moving forward That will help us to encounter the presence of God and so today I want to speak to you today uh, the first practice of this temple season and if you have your Bible grab it and turn with me I'm going to read a couple of passages of scripture Uh, if you don't have your Bible we'll share it with you on the screen but the first scripture is out of Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14 and uh, verse 18 says this, "'Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high, and he blessed him and said, "'Blessed be Abram, the God, uh, of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hands.'" And then flip with me over to the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I want to read verses 23 to 26. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. And he says this, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take And you may be wondering why I'm reading those two uh, very distinct uh, passages of Scripture, but I'm reading them because today I want to talk to you about the practice of communion, the practice of communion. That's why I have bread and juice here today. And at the end of the service today, I want to invite you to receive communion with me. But I I don't know what you think about when you think about communion, you know, maybe uh, depending on your background, your experience, maybe how you were brought up. uh, If you were brought up in church like me, maybe you think communion is just kind of like spiritual snack time in church. (laughs) Or maybe you're kind of new to serving God and you've heard the thought that it's the body, the blood of Jesus. And you're like, this is kind of weird, you know, kind of spiritual cannibalism. Um, And and so I don't know what your perspective is, but I believe this regardless of your perspective or background. Communion is a powerful experience for every single one of us. And and I believe that God wants us to experience his presence through communion. In fact, Jesus actually only gave us two um, practices or two ordinances that we as followers of Jesus are called to engage in Our, our, our life as followers of Jesus is of course by faith, but Jesus gave us two practices. One was water baptism and the second is communion. And so I want to speak to you today about the practice of communion so that we can experience the presence of God. Again, it's not about the practice, it's about the presence. Just like the temple was a physical expression of a spiritual experience. I believe God wants every one of us to experience his life through communion. And so I want to share with you today uh, really two uh, perspectives. First, I want to talk about the practical aspect of communion. And then I want to talk about the spiritual benefits of communion. And so I want to start with the practical because Paul really in this passage of scripture is giving practical teaching to a church about how they receive communion. And so I want to answer six questions about uh about communion six practical questions about communion and then i want to share with you six benefits of communion so the first question about communion is what is communion what is communion and uh, again depending on your background maybe you've used different words for communion Uh, perhaps you have referred to it as the lord's supper or the lord's table which is really reflecting that it was jesus who gave us this practice, Jesus who taught us, as Paul said, that it was Jesus who taught us communion. So maybe you've called it the Lord's Supper, or maybe you've called it the Eucharist. Uh, And that is a word that really means Thanksgiving. And just like we have Thanksgiving celebration here in America um, around the table, uh, communion is a Thanksgiving celebration. It's a moment that we are remembering what God has done for us. But I love the word communion. Because communion really communicates the essence of what communion is. Communion is a compound word, common union, and it really means life together. And that's what communion is all about. It's about sharing God's life. It's about sharing the life that he has given to every single one of us. And, you know, practically speaking, every time we eat, we are sharing in the life of another if you eat a steak, you're sharing in the life of that cow. If you eat uh, kale, you're sharing in the life of that kale. It's not just about the meal, it's about the life. And just as we need physical food to nourish us, we also need spiritual food to nourish our bodies. Jesus said this in John chapter 6, verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about physically eating him. He's talking about receiving his life into us. And so communion, if we're asking what is communion, communion is a meal. It is a physical expression of a spiritual experience that we are through communion receiving the life of Jesus. So communion is a, a meal that's a, spirit, a physical expression of a spiritual experience. So why do we need communion? Communion. Uh, If it's a meal, why do we need to to receive communion? And the answer is because we need life. We need communion because we need life. If you know the story of the Bible, you know that God created mankind and he breathed the breath of life into them, into us, and he blessed mankind. Uh, In other words, man is created for a blessed life or a good life with God. But if you know the story, you you know you don't have to read very far into the book of Genesis before our first parents, Adam and Eve, willingly turn against God. They want the good gifts of God. They want the good life of God, but they don't want God. And they turn away from God and believe the lie that God is trying to keep good things from them. And the Bible records that God gives the commandment that they should not eat from the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day they eat of it, they shall surely die. Now, they weren't, it wasn't God that was wanting to kill them. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but God, as the source of life, as they become cut off from God, they become cut off from life, and the result is death. And I wish I had time to trace that theme of life and death throughout all of the Old Testament that ultimately points us to Jesus. But I want you to recognize that sin brings death. God gives life, but sin brings death, not just physical death. Physical death is only the expression of the spiritual experience that when we are cut off from God, we die in our spirit, then in our souls, and ultimately in our bodies, So we need life because we were dead. And the good news is that Jesus has come to give life. John chapter 10, he says, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. So communion is a meal. And why do we need it? Because we need life. You need the life of Jesus. Uh, The the life that you long for will never be experienced by just getting uh, another physical meal. It will never be experienced by uh, getting another job or another relationship or anything in the natural because ultimately it's not a physical life you long for it's an eternal life and so we receive communion because we need life so what is communion it's a meal why do we need it because we need life how do we receive communion how do we receive communion well Jesus tells us what the manner of communion is in the passage we just read. The scripture says this in verse 23, that he had, uh, in, uh, in verse 25, I'm sorry, in the same manner, Jesus took the cup after supper in the same manner. So he had taken the bread and now he's taking the cup in the same manner. And so how do we receive communion? We receive communion practically by receiving bread and receiving the cup whether it's juice or wine that is symbolic of the body and the blood of Jesus. That's how we receive it. But Paul, in this passage in 1 Corinthians, as he is expressing the manner, in the same manner he took the cup, he goes on later and says that there are those uh, who are eating and drinking in an unworthy manner. They eat uh, and drink judgment to themselves, not discerning the Lord's body. And so the manner or the how is by receiving bread and juice or wine. But we can receive communion in an unworthy manner. Paul says that we should examine ourselves. Now, I used to think that that meant that before I received communion, I've got to really look deep inside my heart to see if there's any sin there. And I think that's true. It's good for us constantly to bring our sin to God. But that's not what Paul's talking about here, because uh, we don't experience judgment by not confessing our sin. The fact is that when Jesus died on the cross, He paid for our sin once and for all. And so we do need to bring our sin, confess our sin to Him to cleanse our conscience, to restore relationship to Him. But that's not what we experience, and that's not what Paul's talking about in eating or drinking in an unworthy manner. In fact, he tells us when he says this, that we are not discerning the body of Christ. What he's saying is that it's possible to go through the motions, to have the, the expression, the physical expression, without understanding the spiritual experience. In other words, it's not just physical food. It is physical food, but it's discerning the body of Christ. He's saying we need to recognize when we come to the Lord's table. When we come to communion, this is a holy moment. This is a spiritual experience. And we are to recognize the body, the blood of Jesus that's been shed for us. And not only that, but we are also to recognize the body of Christ in our brothers and sisters. There is a There is a dimension of the work of Jesus that is not just restoring us back to relationship with God. It's restoring us in relationship with one another. And that's why Paul is talking about these people that are, they don't recognize the spiritual reality that not only are they receiving life from God, but they're sharing life with each other. And in this context, there were people that were getting drunk at communion There were people that were just stuffing themselves, eating everything before anybody else had a chance to come. And Paul says you need to examine yourself. You're not discerning the body of Christ. You're not recognizing that through the the bread, through the cup, that you are a part of this body, that you are not just sharing life with God. You're sharing life with one another. And that's true For us today, you know, in this time that we live in, it's so easy to get divided from one another. We've not had anybody getting drunk at the communion table, but it's easy. In fact, in our culture, uh, division and schism and relational breakdown is rampant. Who would have ever thought that we would be arguing and dividing over whether to wear a mask or not to wear a mask, whether to take the vaccine, not to take a vaccine, Republican, Democrat, all of those things. And I'm not saying that those things don't matter. What Paul is saying to us is you need to recognize whether you're a mask wearer or not a mask wearer, whatever your perspective is on this, you're sharing life with Christ. And when you cut yourself off from your brother or sister in Christ, you're cutting yourself off from the body, your source of life. And so how do we receive communion? We receive communion in an atmosphere of love for one another. That we would not uh, drink judgment to ourselves by cutting us off from that place of blessing. The, the next question is who? Uh, so, so what is communion? Why do we take it? How do we take it? And who should take it? Well, Jesus tells us when he says this, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. In other words, who should take communion? You should take Communion. If you are a follower of Jesus and you put your faith in Jesus, you should receive communion. Every follower of Jesus should receive communion. You know, some churches have the idea that you have to be a member of that church to receive communion. And I understand probably their rationale that they're wanting to make sure that people are actually in relationship with Christ. But the fact is that it's not through the church, it's, it's our own hearts in faith towards Jesus. And so if you are a believer in Christ, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you've turned from your sin and you've turned towards life in Christ, you should receive communion. The next question I wanna answer is where should we receive communion? And practically speaking, you know, oftentimes we only receive communion uh, when we go to church or in a larger gathering. But here we find Jesus is actually sharing communion in a house, in a large room, with his disciples, with his friends, with his followers. He's sharing communion. Paul's giving the instruction in the church gatherings how they should receive communion. And so I believe scripturally we should receive communion in our homes with our families and in the church gathering. Both are important. And I believe in this season when we are uh, separated physically, I believe communion can be a a, a powerful spiritual experience of oneness and connection, both in our homes, with our families, in our house church. And so I want to encourage you, take communion, make that a part of your daily time with the Lord, even during these 21 days of prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord. So when should we take communion? The next question I want to answer is when. If we can do it anywhere, when do we do it? And Jesus answers that in verse 25. He says this, this do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. In other words, do it often. Communion should be an often uh, regular, consistent part of our relationship with God and our time with him. Now, the Bible doesn't define what often means. That may be daily. It may be weekly. It may be monthly. But it it does tell us that we need to participate in communion on an ongoing basis. Why? Because through communion, we're experiencing the life of God, the blessing of God. In fact, Paul calls communion the cup of blessing. And if you are not receiving communion, you're, you're missing out on the blessing that God has for you, that he's made available through us. It's accomplished on the cross, but it's available to us through communion. We're experiencing it through communion. Communion is the means that releases the power into our lives. And so I want to give you six benefits of communion, six benefits of communion. And I want to flip back to that passage of scripture that I opened up with in the book of Genesis, because this is actually the first mention of communion in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 14, Abraham or Abram at this time has just had a battle. If you know the story, God has uh, appeared to him. He's spoken to him. I want to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. You're going to bless all the nations of the earth. And Abram believes God and, and he follows God to this land that God has promised to him. And he encounters battles along the way. And after one of the battles, this man Melchizedek comes out. And Melchizedek is the king of Salem, and he's also a priest. He is a type or a figure of Christ, a foreshadow of Christ. Christ, the king and the priest, the one that reconciles us back to God and the one who is the Lord of our lives. And Melchizedek comes out with bread and wine. It's a picture of what Christ will do for us. The Bible says that in the New Testament, Abraham, Abram at this point believed the gospel. And so he had believed the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, even in the Old Testament before the law, he was saved by grace through faith. He believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So there was already a a faith that he had experienced, but there was actually power released, there was blessings or benefits released in Abram's life through communion. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 15 verse 1 after Abram has this encounter with Melchizedek and he receives the bread and wine, again the first mention of communion in the Bible. Bible scholars tell us that there is what they call the principle of first mention. In other words, if you want to understand a theme, a topic, a word, an idea in the Bible, look for the first mention of it, because in that first mention, there is a clear understanding of what God has in mind when he uses that word. And here we have the first mention, Melchizedek, a priest, a king, brings out bread and wine. And in Genesis 15, after Abram has received, it says this, after these things. In other words, after he's received communion, what happens in Abram's life after he receives communion? What are the benefits that Abram received as the father of our faith, the prototype of a kingdom man or woman that really is the model that we are following in faith the first benefit is this that he received clear guidance he received clear guidance the scripture says this that after these things the word of the lord came to abram in a vision one of the benefits of life with god that we can experience through communion is that we receive clear guidance the word of the lord came to abram in a vision In other words, his vision was clarified. He received that word of the Lord. As the scripture says, this is the way, walk ye in it. I want to tell you, if you need clear guidance from God, maybe you're navigating a job situation. Maybe you are trying to make business decisions or family decisions or decisions about moving or not moving or buying a house or not buying a house. I want to tell you, God wants to guide you and he will guide you through communion, not because of the bread and the the wine, but because of the life with God. When you have life with God, you experience clear guidance. So the first benefit of communion, when we practice communion, we receive the benefit of clear guidance from God. The second thing that the Bible tells us, the benefit was this. It says that After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. The second thing I want you to see, the benefit of experiencing or practicing communion is that we receive abiding peace. Not only do we receive clear guidance, but we receive abiding peace. In fact, Melchizedek, was the king of Salem. The word Salem means peace. Abram was having an encounter with the kingdom of peace. And the Bible says that Jesus is the prince of peace. Maybe your mind is filled with all kinds of anxiety and fear. I want to tell you, fear can be broken off of your life through communion, not because of the bread and the cup, but because of the presence of God. Do not be afraid, Abram, abiding peace. In this time when so many people are fearful, I believe God can speak to us. God can encourage us. If we make communion a part of our lives on a regular basis, it's so easy to get filled with fear. You know, maybe you're like me. I've had a few moments where I laid in bed at night and I just think about the C word, COVID, long enough. And I start thinking, well, I'm pretty sure I've got it now. I, and before I know it, I'm, I'm self-diagnosing and, and I'm pretty sure I'm not even going to wake up in the morning. What is that? It's just fear in my mind. But when we receive communion, we are experiencing the life of God that, that expels fear. The scripture says perfect love casts out fear. And so not only do we experience clear guidance, we also experience abiding peace, abiding peace. The scripture says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I want to encourage you, if you are finding yourself bound by fear, I'm not saying that we don't need to be cautious. I'm not saying that we should not be careful and take the recommended uh, precautions as, as needed. But there are people that can become so bound by fear that even far beyond whatever guidelines or encouragements the government would give us, uh, that there is such a limitation and they become bound by fear. Communion breaks the power of fear over our lives. Do not be afraid, God said to Abram. So we have clear guidance. We have abiding peace. The third thing he says, he says, I am your shield. Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield The third thing I want you to see, the benefit of communion is supernatural protection. Supernatural protection. Uh, You know, we live in a world that many people are filled with fear and and wondering, how can I protect myself, both physically and, and, um, you know, financially? It's so easy to get filled with fear. But God says to Abram, I'm your shield. I will protect you. I will watch over you. You know, even in this crazy moment that we find ourselves in, we can recognize that we have divine protection. And at communion, we experience the protection of God. That's why Psalm 23 says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When you receive communion, you experience the blessing of protection, just as, uh, In the Passover in the Old Testament, they applied the blood of the lamb to the doorpost to their house and their home was protected. When you receive communion, there is a divine protection over your life, over your family. So we experience clear guidance. We experience abiding peace. We experience supernatural protection. The fourth thing that I believe that we experience, the fourth benefit of communion is that we experience abundant provision. He goes on to say, God says to Abram, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Your exceedingly great reward. Other translations say it this way, your reward will be great. Now, God is our reward. God is our riches, far greater than any material wealth or, uh, you know, number of zeros in your bank account following some other figure. Um, God is our source of wealth. God is our provision and we have abundant provision through Christ. Now, that is first a spiritual experience that, as Paul says, we've become rich through Jesus. But that spiritual experience will become expressed in the natural. And I believe that as we experience the blessing of God, the the abundance of God in communion, I believe that will manifest in our lives that we have abundant provision through Jesus Christ. The result of sin was that it brought curse. It brought a curse that made work difficult and the, the earth didn't produce, but through Jesus Christ, the curse is broken. The curse of poverty is broken off of our lives. We have abundant provision through Jesus. The fifth benefit that I want you to see The scripture goes on to say this. Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. In other words, he's not my son of my body. And and the scripture says, behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Uh, It will come out of your body. Now, if you know the story of Abram, you know he was about 100 years old at this time. How many of you know for a 100-year-old man to have a baby, there's got to be some spiritual power in that body. There's got to be some resurrection power to raise the dead in that body. And I believe that is available to every single one of us because through the body, the blood of Jesus that we receive in communion, divine healing is available for every one of us. Just as Abram uh, received the uh, communion and the Lord said, there will be one that will come out of your body. The book of Romans says it this way, that although his body was as good as dead, He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. I don't know the condition of your body, but if you have air in your lungs, you're not dead. The Bible says that Abram was dead in his body. He was physically unable to produce kids, but God worked a miracle of divine healing in Abram's body. Now, I believe the benefit for every single one of us through the body and the blood of Jesus is that we can be healed. And I want to encourage you today, if you are sick in your body, God wants to release healing into you, into your body, through the blood of Jesus, through the body of Jesus as we receive communion today. Divine healing is our inheritance through Jesus Christ. That's why Isaiah 53 verse 5 says this, that by his stripes, we are healed. You don't have to live sick. You don't have to live with chronic pain in your body. You can be healed. I understand we look forward to the day that our our, our bodies will be raised eternally, but that is available to every single one of us now through Jesus. So we receive number five, divine healing, the sixth and last benefit of communion. Really the benefit of the blood in the body of Jesus is this. God said to him, to Abram, he brought him outside. He said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. He said to him, so shall your descendants be. The sixth blessing I believe that we have through communion is that we have expansive influence. Abram and Sarah up until this point had had no children. At that time to not have children was to be cut off from the life of God and really to not have a purpose in your life. And of course, that's not true for us. It's not our identity, our purpose isn't just found in our biological children. God, whether it's through natural children or spiritual children or adopted children, God wants every one of us to live a life of expansive influence. Think about what he said, look at the stars, so shall your descendants be. Maybe you feel like this season of COVID has shrunk your vision down. Maybe you feel like you're just trying to get through life. I want to tell you, God wants to expand your vision. Paul says this, that we've been saved and called with a holy calling. God has an expansive plan of influence for your life. And through the the body and the blood of Jesus, through communion, we receive the life of God that will multiply, as God said to Abram, so shall your descendants be. So I want to receive communion with you today. I want to lead you in receiving communion. And my prayer is this, that even as we receive communion today, that you would experience the blessings of God, that you would experience peace in your mind. If you are in a place of financial lack, I believe God wants to provide for you. Perhaps you're sick in your body. God wants to heal you. It's not magic through bread or through the cup. It's through faith in Jesus Christ, but we're going to activate our faith as we receive communion today. And so I want to give you just a moment. If you don't have uh, some bread or uh, wine or juice, whatever your preference is, I want to give you a moment right now just to get that ready If you do have it, I want to give you a moment just to prepare your heart and maybe just to focus in even on one of those benefits that you believe God is going to give to you today as we receive communion together. So let's turn our heart towards the Lord in worship and we'll be back in just a moment to receive communion together. Hope that you are sensing the presence of God as we've turned our heart towards the Lord and uh, I believe that this is a holy moment even as we are communicating um, through the camera to your living room or wherever you're at I believe that God is here that he is present by the Holy Spirit the presence of Jesus today and I want to lead you in receiving communion. And again, it's not about the bread and not about the cup, but it's about the faith in our hearts. And the Bible says that Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which has been broken for you. Take and eat. And I want to invite you just to take a piece of bread, to take that. Maybe it's big enough to break, but whatever you have, just to take that bread. I want to pray for you and Bless that bread that we are about to receive. Father, we thank you for your body. Lord, we thank you that on the cross, your body was broken. Father, so that we could be restored to life. And Lord, today as we receive this bread, God, I pray your blessing, healing and wholeness upon every person. Father, I pray for marriages today that are feeling strained, God, perhaps because of this moment that we find ourselves in, Lord, I pray for supernatural healing. God, I pray for broken hearts to be healed today. God, I pray for those who feel their dreams have been broken. God, I pray that you would minister your wholeness, your life, your peace, this abundant life that you've come to give us through Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's receive this bread together. Bible says that in the same way Jesus took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood, which is shed for you. As often as you drink this, you do it in remembrance of me. And I'm so glad to tell you today that regardless of what your background has been, our sins are forgiven in Jesus. And so I want to pray for you and pray blessing over this cup as we prepare to receive. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blood. God, I pray right now in every home, every place where people are gathered or perhaps even watching on on their own, God, I pray that they would experience your presence. Lord, we thank you for your blood that was shed upon the cross. Father, that there is life in your blood. And Father, even though we deserve death because of our own sin, God, thank you that you have paid the price through your blood. Father, as the song says, what can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive today. Father, we thank you. Even as we are receiving communion, God, I thank you that your power is being released into people's lives. Father, I I pray healing would be released into people's bodies today. I pray, God, those that have been bound by fear, Father, let there be a release of that abundant peace. Father, we thank you, Lord, that even, uh, Lord, in our finances, God, thank you that you are our source. And so, Lord, we pray that today we would experience life and life to the full, life with God, the life we've always longed for. We thank you for it, Lord, today. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today for receiving communion. I want to encourage you if you're in a house church, just to take time to pray with one another, minister to one another, perhaps around those benefits that God has given to us through the wonderful body and blood of Jesus. And I want to invite you as well to join us online for a special time of prayer this coming Wednesday morning. For more information, information you can go to ocparkdistrict.com slash events. We'd love to see you there. And we're going to enjoy this time of seeking God together throughout this month. Thanks so much. God bless you.